All right. Well, hello, Cow Church. Good morning. I'm glad you're here. You chose a good weekend. You chose a good weekend to be here because I'm beginning my end of summer teaching series, and this weekend is weekend one. And so we're going to go for several weeks. It'll take us through September into October. And the topic is the choices you make. And you chose to be here. You made a good choice. The choices you make lead to the changes that you want in life. Does that make sense to you? Like if you want to change in your life, you have to make choices that take you to that change in life. Now, some of the changes that come in life, tell me if you agree with this or not, are imposed on us. Like somebody else makes a choice and it bumps our life. How many have had that experience, right? I didn't choose this. I didn't want this. So you can choose to make changes, but then when changes come, guess what? This is going to be empowering for you. When changes come that you didn't choose, you now have choices. Does this make sense? See, here's what we think sometimes. Oh, I didn't choose this, but then we just sit in it. I didn't want this, but then we just sit in it. Like, I, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have chosen this. No, you wouldn't have, but now you have choices that you can make forward. I want you to grab this simple, this simple phrase. Let me go ahead and get this up. All the changes I desire in life will come as a result of all the choices I make in life. Say it with me. All the I desire in life will come as a result of all the I make in life. I want you to think about it. Like, suddenly... Something changes in your life. What do you have left? Choices. And when you make those choices, you're still now creating the life you want. I mean, what's the difference between those who are living the life they want? They have great relationships. They have meaningful influence in ministry, in the church. They have a mission in the world. They have financial strength, fulfilling friendship. Like, what's the difference between them and the rest of the world? Between the successful and fulfilled and those who struggle relationally. Those who, who are bottomed out more times than not. What do you think the difference is between those two groups? Let me tell you what it's not. It's not intelligence, and it's not talent, and it's not appearance, though in Southern California we're all about appearance. It's not about that. We've all seen smart people who are miserable people, right? We've all seen talented people who are broke all the time. We've all seen attractive people who can't get a relationship. Don't point at them. I just want you to acknowledge it, right? Like, the difference, what's the difference? It boils down to our choices. Let's say it again. All the changes, say it, all the changes I desire in life will come as a result. Your choices will be the difference between what you want and what you actually achieve in your life. Your choices will be the differentiator between you and the rest of the people who are in this room or online. I want you to take a minute right now, and I want you to see if you can identify who has consistently made the best choices in their life right around you now. Go ahead, look around. Who's the best choosers? Can you tell? And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. 
No, you cannot. Because when people come into church, we put on the good choice face. Looking good, smelling good, put on my spritz, took my Saturday shower. It's all good. It's all good. I've made good choices. But that might not be the reality of my life or yours. You can't determine who the good choosers are just by looking. I'll tell you what you can determine. You can determine whether or not you will be a good chooser from this point forward. You make your choices, and your choices end up making you. The problem is that most of us tend to make bad choices more than we want to. We want to eat right, but then we decide to eat more than we should. We want to be good with our money, but then we go out and we buy things we can't afford. We want to control our temper, but then we don't. We want to be wise with our words, but then we say things we regret. I mean, this older man recalled being at the drive-thru line at McDonald's. Now, it's one of those McDonald's, and you've, you've been at these, where they have three stops. You, you have the first window where you make your order, right? Second window, you pay. And then the third window, by the time you get there, you pick up your order. And then this was an older man. And he said, you know, maybe because I was older, he said I was probably taking more time than I should ordering. And he said, I guess it frustrated the younger woman who was be." Hind me. So he said she made a choice. She honked. And she threw a hand gesture. And she mouthed some not very nice words at me, the older man said. Now the older man had a choice. You know what he did? He got to the pay window and he told the cashier he wanted to pay for the breakfast of the woman who was in the car behind him. And he requested both receipts. That was a choice, right? And then he looked in his rearview mirror as he saw her pull up to the pay window and he watched as she was told that he had paid for her food. And he watched her features soften and he watched her mouth the words, thank you. Then the older man pulled forward to get his food and he showed both receipts and he took her food too and he drove off. <laughs> so that's, that's what he did. And he thought to himself as he drove, she'll learn to make better choices. <laughs> that was worth the price of admission, wasn't it? <laughs> Think through the choices you still have facing you today. Or the choices that you have facing you first thing in the morning. I mean, most of us are going to want to use our time productively. We want to move the needle a little bit toward our dreams. We want to make progress on our ambitions. But too often what happens? We choose activities that might get us busy, but they don't get us ahead. And here's the deal. It doesn't have to be that way. So what we're going to do together over the next couple of weeks, is we're going to talk about the power of choices, and we're actually going to make some choices together. Because choices are a part of every bit of your life. When life changes, we have choices, and when we want a particular kind of life, it's all going to boil down to the choices we make. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that when you want to do the right thing, sometimes you do the bad thing?
When you want to do the best thing, sometimes you do a rotten thing. Do you know that even the best people who've ever been on this planet have lived life this way? There's a man who actually wrote most of the New Testament, wrote most of our, our Christian Bible. I mean, you talk about a strong Christian. This guy named Paul was a strong Christian. But I want you to see what Paul wrote about himself. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Can I get a witness? Anybody feel this? Like that's in the Bible from a strong Christian, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That means none of us are immune from this tug of war. And it shows why we need to study this topic. So we're going to get to work this morning. I hope you have your note page in front of you. Follow along. Why are good choices such a struggle to make? Why are good choices such a struggle to make? I think there are many reasons. I'm going to give you three. The first one is we're overwhelmed with choices. We're overwhelmed with choices. As a matter of fact, some studies have shown that we'll make upwards, are you ready for this? Upwards of 35,000 choices a day. From the moment we wake up, we're making choices. Am I going to hit the snooze alarm, you know, snooze button. Am I going to hit it again? Am I going to hit it that third time, right? Like, what am I going to wear when I do get up? What am I going to eat? Am I going to scroll through my phone? Am I going to make a comment on Instagram? What road am I going to take to work? What am I going to say to the people at work? Do I even want to talk to the people at work? I mean, we make choices all day long. And what happens is because we make so many choices, our decision-making muscle gets fatigued. In fact, cognitive scientists have termed the phrase decision fatigue. Say it, decision fatigue. I have this, and so do you, because we're bombarded first thing in the morning till we close our eyes at night, and if you're like me sometimes, I'm still making decisions through the night because I can't turn it off, right? Here's the problem. As the volume of our choices increases, the quality of our choices decreases. Like we start out strong, but just like a runner, you finally get tired of running. So by the end of the day, the quality of your choices can decrease. Let's just suppose that you have a very stressful job. And so all day long, you are making these high stakes decisions. But so by the time you get home at night, your mind's exhausted. So when it comes time to make a good choice for food, you make an unhealthy choice and binge comfort food. Can anybody you know relate to this? Not you, but anybody (laughs) you know relate to this? It makes sense, right? Your choice muscle is tired. Or you're consistently making wise financial choices. You're saving. You're paying off debt. You're doing the right thing. But then, all of a sudden, inexplicably, you make a stupid decision. Out of nowhere, you make this bad financial choice because of decision fatigue. We try to make good decisions. It's because of the volume in the culture in which we live 
that we get beaten down. And we'll notice the quality of our decisions goes down as we get beaten down. A second problem for many of us is the fear of making the wrong choice. The fear of making the wrong choice. Perfectionism is a curse in our lives. I think this one's especially true for Christians because none of us want to disappoint God. None of us want to displease the Lord. And so a lot of times we'll just analyze something to death. Well, I'm not sure if that's the perfect school for me to attend. I'm not sure that's the perfect job. I don't know if I should accept. I'm not sure if that's the perfect person I should date. I don't think I'm going to ask her out. And since we aren't sure, we don't make any decision at all. And this is a problem because, listen, indecision is what? It's a decision. We're afraid of making the wrong choice. And then the one I really want to spend a minute on is this one. We let emotions overrule logic. I think this is why a lot of people struggle. We let emotions overrule logic. And what's interesting about this is sometimes we're really in our logical brain. Like we'll analyze, we'll analyze, we'll spend so much time analyzing. You probably do this. Some people spend more time analyzing what Netflix series they're going to binge than the time it actually takes to watch the whole series. I mean, they just, you know, stay in their logical brain. We analyze, we analyze. But then, listen to me, then on an impulse, With emotion, we'll make bad decisions. You know how this plays out. Those of you with kids, kid upsets you. Logic says be patient, but emotion says yell at them, and your emotion wins more times than you want it to. Or you face unexpected temptation. Your logic says that's dangerous, but your emotion says let's party. Right? How many crimes have been committed, do you suppose, in the heat? of the moment. How many words do you think have been spoken that people wish they could take back because they spoke them in an emotional moment? And so often, it's the emotional decisions that end up hurting us and end up hurting people we care about the most. Don't make decisions that are going to impact you for years to come based on the emotion that you just feel in the moment. Why do choices matter? Because the quality of your choices determines the quality of your life. Let's say it. The quality of your choices determines the what? The quality of your life. I want to teach you a choice hack this morning. Like this is your big takeaway for today. If you get this, not only will your choices improve, your life will improve. How many of you are ready for that? How many of you want some of that, right? All right. Here we go. This is a life hack or a choice hack. Choose ahead of time what you will choose. Choose ahead of time what you will choose. I'll give an example of this. My wife, Karen, she does this all the time. People ask her, like they'll just walk up to her and ask her, like, what's your secret for staying so lean, staying so healthy, staying so fit? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. I'll just give you one thing she does. Before we go out to eat, Karen looks up the menu online and she chooses what she's going to order so that she's not caught up in hunger when we get there or emotion when we get there or in a hurry once we get there. So when we get there, she's already pre-chosen steamed broccoli. it's It's already a choice. I, on the other hand, go in with good intention until I see the picture of piping hot mac and cheese. Do you see the difference? 
There's a difference there. Those of you who are younger parents, like if there's one thing I could teach you about parenting, it would be how to build faith into the heart of your children. And the way you build faith into the heart of your children is with this one principle. You decide ahead of time that you're going to have practices and habits in your home that are going to lead your children to faith. You decide, for example, we're just going to go to church. And you make that decision before the school year starts and there's homework, before outside activities start. See, you make your choices and your choices make you. You want your children to learn about and to lean on Jesus? You want your children to make him first? They need to see you making that choice in your life and in your schedule, and you'll do that most consistently if you're choosing ahead of time to do that. You choose ahead of time as a family. Our family's going to pray before our meals. Moms and dads, have your children ever heard you pray out loud? How do you expect them to choose to call upon the Lord in their life if they've never heard you do it? When I was growing up, my brother and I never wondered what we were going to do on Sunday morning. We were going to church. It wasn't a debate. It wasn't an option. It wasn't a, well, let's wait and see how we feel. And it's because we were exposed to the message and life of Jesus every Sunday in Sunday school that our faith was steadily built. When we were paid our allowance, do people do that anymore, allowance? We had to mow the lawn, we had to wash the cars, we had to pull weeds. How many of you know what I'm talking about, pulling weeds? We had to pull weeds, right? And we got a dollar a week. A dollar a week for our chores. And listen, my parents paid us in dimes. We got 10 dimes. Does anybody know why? Because my parents taught us that one dime immediately goes to Jesus. 10%. Why? Because we were taught everything belongs to God. We honor God by giving back to Him a portion of what He's given to us. And it wasn't a debate. And it wasn't a question. It was predetermined by my parents. And they knew if they gave us a dollar and we didn't have change, that we would just, you know, fritter away and spend that dollar somewhere and we wouldn't have our dime. So they paid us in dimes so that we could immediately do what my parents chose ahead of time that everybody in our family would do. We did that when we earned a dollar a week. And then when I earned $100 a week, it was just automatic. $10 went to the Lord. Listen, if that wasn't predecided in my life, I'm going to tell you right now. In financial crisis, in recession, in harder seasons of life, guess who I would have robbed? Wouldn't have been my Starbucks coffee. Guess who I would have stopped giving to? It would have been God. And it would have been easy to do. Because they're going through hard times, and it wasn't a habit, and I hadn't pre-chosen. You see this? I can start over. <laughs> Who wants to rob God? How do you keep choosing when times are tough? You're only going to do it if you pre-choose. 
I'm just going to honor God with what he gives. I just pre-choose that. I'm going to pay him first, first dime, and then I'll just figure out the rest of the month. This is true in every aspect of your life. I don't care if it's your job performance. I don't care if it's your fitness journey. We will never consistently do the things that are hard without choosing ahead of time that we're going to do it. Just going to go to the gym. Just going to check the menu out. I know, honey, I need to do it. And check the menu out. I'm going to order the steamed broccoli. Oh. Does this make sense to you? About half of you? The other half chose not to respond? One of the best ways to live a forward-looking, people-loving, God-glorifying life is to choose ahead of time that that's who you are and that's what you're going to do. There's so many reasons to do this. It lowers your stress. You have no pressure in the moment. It removes emotion in the moment. It removes temptation in the moment. Why? Because you decided ahead of time. When it comes to living a life that's pleasing to the Lord, that reflects your values, pre-choose. Pre-choose. I love what this wisdom from an ancient king says. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he'll what? He'll establish your plans. You know what that means? He'll make them solid. He'll make them solid. You pre-choose, and God will make your decisions strong. So if you're dating somebody, you commit your dating relationship to the Lord before you go on your first date. If you're married, you commit your marriage to the Lord before your marriage gets in trouble. If you're parenting, you commit your parenting and your children to the Lord before your children get in trouble. If you're making financial decisions, you commit your financial decisions to the Lord before you're in financial crisis. If you're making professional decisions, relational decisions, friendship decisions, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, you just commit everything to the Lord and the scripture says he'll make that decision strong. He'll establish that plan in your life. And this choice to commit to the Lord is one that we can make before we go into our day, before we go into the business meeting, before we go into the parent meeting at our kids' school, before we start another semester in college. With God's help, we determine our course of action ahead of time. We pre-choose. Let's get tactical. Let's just say that you're overspending. Let's use that as an example. And some friends or your spouse suggest that you go to the mall. So you're going to need to choose ahead of time. I've already made a decision. I'm not going to overspend. So what would that look like? It would look like not trying on clothes. It would look like not going to your favorite section of your favorite store. I mean, why, right? Because you've already determined, I'm not buying anything today. Why would I go to an area where I'm likely to buy? I'm just here to have time with my spouse. I'm just here to have time with my friends. And I've made a commitment to God to get my finances under control. And so I had to make a commitment to myself. I'm not going to buy anything at the mall today. And you take all the pressure off by deciding before you get to the mall that you're not going to spend any money at the mall. Who's still with me? Who's still with me? 
I'm going to drag the rest of you along. You choose ahead of time how you're going to handle pressure in your job. I mean, you know how you've been doing it. You come home all wound up, all tight. You feel that tension in your neck. Head right to the liquor cabinet. You have a cocktail. And it just takes the edge off. When you know, you know you get better mental relief with a long, vigorous walk or lifting weights at the gym. So what do you do? When you get home from work, you change immediately into your exercise clothes and immediately you hit it instead of stopping by the liquor cabinet because you pre-chose. See how this works? It's better to have your gym clothes with you at the job and you change at the job before you even get home. But all of that would take a pre-choice. When you look at the scriptures, it is so much fun for me to see example after example of people who did this over and over. They used this pre-choice hack in their life. You see it with one of the famous guys in the Old Testament. His name is Abraham. All the way back, famous Abraham. You know, when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. Listen, without a pre-choice strategy, Abraham would have thought that's ridiculous. Nobody would do that. That makes no sense whatsoever. But Abraham had already predetermined years before that God is trustworthy and whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to do it. That's how he lived his life. Famous woman in the Hebrew Scriptures, her name was Ruth. You can read about this in her book of the Old Testament, book of Ruth, chapter 1. She's a very famous follower of God in the Scriptures. And Ruth made a strong commitment to her family member, Naomi. And she decided ahead of time, whatever happens in the future, Naomi, I'm just going to go where you go. And your people are just going to be my people. And your God is going to be my God. She pre-chose that in her relationship with her family member. There's a guy named Daniel. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you've probably heard about Daniel in the lion's den. It's that Daniel. When he was a teenager, he and his friends were hauled off essentially as hostages into a foreign country where their captors tried to brainwash them like you have to think the way we think. You have to be educated the way we educate. And you have to eat the food we eat. Which, for those Jewish young men, they had very strict dietary laws. They didn't want to eat that food. They thought it'd be dishonoring to God. And look at this. Daniel resolved ahead of time. He would not defile himself with the royal food and that country's wine. We'd say it this way. He pre-chose. He didn't wait till he was hungry, make a decision. He didn't wait till the food was all laid out on the banquet table to make a decision. He didn't wait till he was in the dining room to make a decision. He predetermined. If push comes to shove, I'm going to choose to honor God. Why? Because he knew who he was and he knew what he valued. And that's the difference maker. So let me ask you a question this morning. What do you value? I want you to think deeply about this for just a second. What is the most important thing to you 
or the most important things? What are the most important things to you? Do you have some of those in your mind? Ask your neighbor for some tips. When people talk about you, or they think about you, what do you want them to say? What do you want to have come to mind when your name comes up in their mind? What do you want to be known by? What do you want to be characterized by? When people describe you, listen, when it's my job to stand on this stage and preach your funeral sermon, don't make me a liar. What do you, what do you want to be? What do you want me to say? How do you want to be described? What will your reputation be? What matters to you deep down in your heart? Earlier, Pastor Hector talked about our life groups. For those of you who've ever thought about being in a life group, these are the kinds of things we talk about in life groups. So I teach the message on a weekend, then we get in a life group, and then we have discussion questions. And so for this week, if we were already in life groups, one of the discussion questions would have been, what do you value? What do you want your reputation to be? Like you think deeply about it in life groups. Pastor Hector's actually going to lead a life group for brand new people who want to be in a life group. Maybe you've never been in a life group before. He's going to do it on Sundays. He'll send you all the information about it, but he would just need to know your interest in that. Like if you want to be in our six, it's just six weeks, once a week, six weeks, going to be here at the church on Sundays. If you want information, you're not saying I'm all in. You're saying I want information about being in a new life group. Take your welcome card and put new life group and give me your name, your email, and a phone. Name, email, phone number. All right? Those that go to Pastor Hector, he'll get in, ch in touch with you. He'll answer your questions about what time it's going to meet. It'll, it'll last about 90 minutes. It's a great experience. We've been in our life group now. How many years, baby? 11 years, same life group. You talk about deep friendships. You talk about being able to share openly and honestly. You talk about having support. We've gone through deaths. We've gone through tragedies with each Like, we don't have to worry about how we're going to be cared for if life hurts. And the members of our group don't have to worry about who's, how they're going to be cared for. If you're flying solo and you don't have a group like this in your life, God help you. Because hard times will come. And then who are you going to lean on? Where, that's the wrong time to look for a group. Build your relationships first so you're ready when hard times hit. Does this make sense to anybody? Somebody. Right? Take a welcome card. Write new life group. Give me your name, email, and phone number. So what do you value? You might say, well, I value integrity. Well, I hope that you do. Or you might say, I value faithfulness. Faithfulness to God, faithfulness to my spouse, faithfulness to my friends. I hope you do. You might say, I value generosity. God was a giver. I want to be like God. I want to be a giver. Clearly determine your values. And you can do this ahead of time. Why does this matter so much? Because when your values are clear, what? Your choices are easier. When you know what matters... You'll know if that decision supports what you say matters. When you know what matters to you, you can make some of your choices ahead of time. Like whenever I face a certain situation, I've already chosen what my response is going to be because I know what's important to me. Listen, choices determine 
what you do. And what you do determines where you go. And where you go determines who you become. And it's all based on choices, and your best choices are based on your values. So, you're not where, you're, you're not where you want to be in life? Make different choices. You're not who you want to be in life? Make better choices. You're not doing what you want to do in life? Make different choices. Here's a big principle. Choices compound. Choices. How many of you understand compounding interest in a bank, right? Like, that's what you want. Like, you, you put a little bit in, and it just starts to grow, and then that amount gets interest, and then it begins to grow, and that amount gets interest, and it's just amazing what compounding interest can do. Same thing happens with tiny little bad choices. That's not so bad, but 10 of those in a row, compound. On the positive, I took one little step and right, man, I just feel like I've got so far to go, Brad. I don't know, is it worth it? It's worth it, I'll tell you why. You don't have to wait till you get all the way out there for your life to get better. Make a little change here, a little change here, and it grows, it compounds. Choices compound. Do you like the direction that your choices are currently taking you? If you don't, it's time to take your life back. That's all. It's time to pre-choose some of your choices. You just determine when I'm faced with a difficult situation because of who God is to me, because of what I say I value in my life, I'm not going to wait till I'm in the middle of it to choose. I'm going to pre-choose before I ever get there what I'm going to do when I'm faced with this scenario. Why is this so important? Let me give you a few reasons why this matters. First, it's because most of us are inconsistent. How many of you can relate to what we read in the scriptures earlier from that famous guy, Paul? I want to do the right things, but very often I find myself doing things. Come on, don't leave me hanging out here. <coughs> we're also unprepared we're also unprepared you know the Bible tells us this some people say oh Brad that's woo woo I don't care if you think that I just know it's real there's spiritual good out there but there's spiritual darkness out there how do you explain some of the evil in the world there's some spiritual darkness out there and we have this spiritual enemy who wants to catch us with our guard down but if we pre-choose it's like setting up walls that protect us in the moment, and then we're prepared. Here's another one. A lot of us, a lot of us have spent too much of our time living unintentionally. How many people do you think just wing it through life? Like they live by the mantra, I'll just figure it out when I get there. Instead of being proactive, instead of being prayerful, instead of being intentional, sometimes some people are just kind of laissez-faire, hands off, I'll just let it come at me rather than you going at it. Here's another one. I'm just straight talk today. We're selfish people. No, Brad, I'm not selfish. You don't think so? If I called you on stage right now 
and I have seven other people come up here with you. There's eight of you up here, and I take a group photo, and then I hold up my phone and show the picture. Who's the first person you're looking at? Oh, she had the prettiest smile. That's not what you're doing. It's not what you're doing. Right to you. And listen, those seven could look beautiful. But if you got one eye shut, you're going to say, take the whole thing over. Take the whole thing over. Because it's all about you at that moment. All about you. Selfishness, right? Here's another problem. We tend to be short-sighted. Like, oh, you know, I'll just do it now and I'll figure it out later. Do what feels good in the moment. I'll handle the long-term consequences later. But here's what I've observed. When those consequences come, they're often greater than we thought they're going to be. And they tend to knock us out of the game. They're so discouraging. The price is so high. We made such a bad decision that the payoff of that is really high. We tend to quit. So here's what I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks. I want to compel you. I'd like to motivate you, if I could, to be part of an experience where we're going to learn to make, pre-choose, several important choices about who we are. And we're going to learn this together. First, we're going to learn to be prepared. We're, we're not going to live life unprepared, just hit by whatever, and we're not ready for it. We're going to learn to be ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. When it's easy to be inconsistent in our life, one day on, one day off, with the help of God, we're going to choose to be consistent. Somebody say, I'm consistent. So, somebody say, I'm consistent. We're going to learn. Like, if you want to learn, how do I become consistent? That's going to be a whole weekend. That's going to be one of the teachings, how to be consistent. In a world where people often stray from their faith, stray from their devotion to God, in a couple of weeks, we're going to learn to be devoted people. And in a world that tends to be selfish, I look at me in the picture. We're going to learn to be God-honoring. We're going to learn to think about others, and we're going to do that by learning to become generous, because generosity is always about others. We're also going to choose ahead of time in a world where unfaithfulness seems to be the norm. Well, as followers of Jesus, we're not supposed to be the norm. We're going to learn to be faithful. And then Jesus said when he was dying on the cross, I did everything the Father sent me to do. He finished his work. We're going to learn to be finishers. Now I want to end with some good news. You're not what you chose in the past. You're not stuck in that. You don't have to wear that label from your past choices. Neither do I. Your past choices didn't end up being a life sentence. You can choose who you are by the choices you make now. This is an empowering message for you today. You can choose your changes. You can choose your character. You can choose your values. You can choose your reputation. You can choose what you want your life to be. You can choose the strength of the relationship that you have with God. Can I say that one? You are choosing 
the strength of the relationship that you have with God. I'm inviting you for the next several weeks to step in, to press into the goodness of God, to let His Word go deep in your heart so that the values of God become your values. And then you begin to make decisions based on those values and you pre-choose because now you know who you are and you know what matters to you. And when you do that, everything in your life begins to change in a beautiful way. Who's up for that? Who wants some of that? I do too. Thank God we can. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so, so much for the examples in Scripture that teach us we can choose and that our choices lead to changes. And I know as a whole bunch of us, we see areas of our life we would love to change. We just didn't know how to make those choices stick. We've made choices and we let them go. We tried and then we stopped. So we're going to learn to be consistent. We're going to learn to be prepared. We're going to learn to be faithful. We're going to learn to finish. We're going to learn to be generous. We're going to learn over these next several weeks. So for everybody that's here, everybody's watching online, for everybody who wants to choose a better life for yourself, choose right now in your heart. I'm going to be here. I'm going to learn these things. I want to finally get it. I'm going to learn these things. I'm deciding today that I'm going to be here. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Pastor Hector's coming up. Thank you so much for being at church today. God bless you. Can we give it up for Pastor Brad one more time? <laughs>